How are we doing today? This is the Daily Knicks Podcast. On today's podcast, I'll be talking to you guys about why the Golden State Warriors need to win the championship without Kevin Durant, how the Knicks can build a championship contender with or without Zion, and what it would take for the Knicks to actually be a contender next season. You know what time it is. Strap up the Timbs. Let's get it. Hello, thank you guys again for listening to the Daily Knicks podcast. Like you know, this is your boy, Justin Cred. By myself today on this edition of the podcast, I'm just going to break down a couple things for you guys. Thank you guys again for listening. Make sure you guys hit the subscribe button and follow the Daily Knicks, not just the podcast, but the website for all the big hits for, you know, the Knicks podcast. So I know this is Daily Knicks pod. I know that this is a uh, strictly um, content-based platform. We only like to promote our stuff. But I got to give a huge shout out to the Knicks wall, a rival blog, but I give credit where credit's due, you know, and they came up with an app or a little spot for the website, for their website that's able to make you basically play GM. You become Steve Mills, Scott Perry, you basically kind of build out the team. Now, I will say it's a little constrictive. You can't do everything you would like to do to actually build the 13-man roster or 14-man roster, whatever. However, you basically make all the major decisions. You get to draft whoever you want to draft. Um, you then get to uh, keep or release some of the key players who don't have guaranteed contracts next season who's currently on the team. And then you get to pick from the smorgasbord of free agents that are available, currently available. Now, some guys might opt out, opt in. You know, different things might happen. But the guys who we expect to be free – and they place a projection on how many wins your team will have. You can also have an option to or to not trade for Anthony Davis. So, obviously, the good thing about this is that it actually shows you that if if the Knicks strike out or if, if, if it doesn't go exactly how they want, it's basically going to be as bad as it was last season. Um, there's some simulations where you basically end up with like Cam Reddish and that's it. <laughs> and uh, there's some simulations where you do get the dream supply. You get Kyrie, you get KD, and you get Zion. You can get Kyrie, you can get KD, you can get Anthony Davis. But I've done this simulation, I'll say about 20 times, 25 times. I've been on a lot. Most of the time, I would say, is that you don't get at least the first pick in the draft. I've gotten the first pick in the draft, I think, three times only, four times. Now, it makes sense if you probably break it down. I probably only got – if I played did this 100 times, I probably would have only gotten the number one pick 14 times. You know, Most of the time, you're going to get the fifth pick or the fourth pick. The Knicks have a higher percent chance of getting the fourth or fifth pick than they do of having getting the first, second, or third pick. Now, 
there's going to be a lot of debate about what the Knicks will do with any of their picks. So I'm not going to talk about what everyone else seems to be talking about. We talk about the pipe dream and things like that. Um, let's talk about what would happen with the 50% chance, a great 50% chance they gain the fourth or fifth pick. So right now it's slotted as for them to either take Jarrett Culver or Cam Reddish. Now, obviously, you don't have to take those two players. The three players that are gone before you can take those four are obviously Zion, John Morant, and R.G. Barrett. If the Knicks get the fourth or fifth pick, what they should do is they should just draft a player of need. Now, I'll explain that in a bit. But they need to get a player of need. The first thing the Knicks need to get is they need more shooting on the team. Don't matter for agency. They need to get more shooting on the team. Now, for me, that was Scream Cam Reddish. And if you look at, you know, some of the details that come out, the Knicks have shown an interest in Reddish, uh, mostly because I think they want to prepare their fans for the idea of them getting the fourth or fifth pick and showing them that that is the direction they probably will go. And to speak on the draft, to make a little little dive for one second, for those in the media, and they will do this, they that if the Knicks don't get the fourth, uh, don't get the first pick or the second pick, that are going to kill the Knicks for not getting the first or fifth, the the first pick or the second pick, just. Y'all can go somewhere with that because there was no other way for them to possibly get the first pick. There wasn't. This was the best chance for them to get the first pick. It was. There's nothing else they could have done. Okay. There's not a 25% chance. This is not the NBA. They have a lottery system and they put themselves in the best position to get the first pick. So, at the end of the day, that is how they chose to play this. It is not then looked upon as a failure if they don't get the first, second, or third pick in the draft since that is just the way it might play out. They've stuck to a plan of trying to develop the players and not signing bad contracts and basically winning 30 games just to win 30 games and get a 10th pick in the draft. It doesn't make any sense to do that, okay? Um, and But that's what's going to happen because, unfortunately, for Knicks fans and people who root for the Knicks, the media in New York, for some reason, doesn't really care. I don't know if they, they're purposely just they don't care about the Knicks. They don't want them to win. I don't know what it is, but it gets extremely frustrating when people will go about not looking at the overall storyline and just kill them if they get the fifth pick, which they cannot control. They can't control what pick they get. They can get one to five. That's it. Now, speaking of that, you should draft. I, the fifth pick looks like they're going to draft Cam Reddish. I would not do that if I was them. I think that would be a horrible decision. I think that they would be basically drafting Jeff Green or Andrew Wiggins. Um, I, I, he was at times the fourth or fifth best player on his own team. 
that obviously was dominated by Zion and RJ and he probably wasn't better than a guy who didn't even come out into the draft at times and Trey Jones. Um, so I wouldn't take him. I would actually draft the guy out of Vanderbilt, even though that would give you three guards to start to have on your team, three point guards. Um, obviously, don't bring back Moody. That would have three point guards on the roster. Now, you draft, I would draft Denarius Gilliard out of Vanderbilt. And what I would do is do what the Knicks are looking to do is I would trade Neil Kina and I would try to trade him and get the get J.R. Smith on the team. You're going to need to have that contract on the team, especially if you don't have the first pick, because you can then use that contract to trade for something. Now, not necessarily Anthony Davis, but can trade for a contributing player that would help you win in the moment. Maybe you can entice Washington to get Brad Beal. Maybe you can get, um, you know, some some other player that you that you that you're high on that might be low value, and still try to build this team up. Okay, now this is obviously without free agency. Um, there is a way for them to get market markedly better without getting Durant and Kyrie or Zion or all three or Anthony Davis. They can just grow their team from last year. You would expect Knox to get better. You'd expect Dennis Smith Jr. to get in shape and get better. Mitch Robinson can grow from where he was. Alonzo Trier can grow from where he was. Uh, if they pick up, you know, Trier's contract, if they pick up uh, um, Damian Dotson's contract, those guys you expect to get better in a year, knowing the system, keeping the same type of players, all that good stuff. And yeah, I understand Knicks fans will be disappointed if they don't get the big trifecta. However, there has to be a rationale to understand that this thing can grow a certain kind of way and it still be the right way. Like I said beforehand, the only way the Knicks can screw this up is to sign bad contracts. That's it. This That's the only way they can screw this up is to sign Chris Middleton and um, Tobias Harris and, you know, giving just a bu- Ricky Rubio, giving them a bunch of money. That's a bad way to go about this. Now, the great thing about this app that I liked is there is a situation where you strike out on Kevin Durant. You don't get Kawhi. You don't get Kyrie. You don't get Kemba. You don't get Clay. And then you sit there and then you go, well, what do I have to do? And you feel that pressure. And listen, I'm not going to sit there and act like Dolan won't look at the situation and says, I don't want to win 17 games again next year. Because, I mean, if you strike out all five of those guys, I I don't think you will. We'll get to that in a second. But um, those players, if they decide to go somewhere else, well, you'll feel the pressure to try to win games even though that's not good. It's not good for you in the short term or the long term. You have to be able to be patient, be able to grow and not change course. Okay. Now from 17 wins, could they make the playoffs next season? 
I mean, I doubt it. The Eastern Conference, I think, is still it's still very top heavy. It's not like the Western Conference. I was just having a conversation with my um have a conversation with my uh, colleague the other day. It was like I don't remember the last one time in the Western Conference where every team had a potential all star on the team. In the West, every team has a potential, and about ten teams you could argue have two. You know. Obviously, even the teams in the bottom, Phoenix has Devin Booker, who could be an all-star. Minnesota has uh, Carl Anthony Towns. Dallas has Luka and KP, the guy who will not shall be named after this podcast. Um, which is a bunch of different players in the Western Conference who have just at least one great talent that's even that's able to, and they're not even these are these are teams that aren't even sniffing the playoffs. Obviously, Portland, not Portland. Uh, obviously, the Pelicans with Anthony Davis. Um, this is that is th- that's a dogfight every single time. The Sacramento Kings didn't make the playoffs. De'Aaron Fox could be a potential All Star next season. In the East, if Vucevic leaves Orlando, are they still going to be good? I can see the, the Knicks already beat them this year once. You know. It's outside the top four, and I would even say five. I'm including Indiana if uh, Victor Oladipo doesn't get hurt. Six, seven, eight, and below. That's not daunting. Like the, the I, I think there are a lot of wins there. Now there'll still be a really young team, and the hard thing about winning, you know, hard thing about you know a team like that is like you you lose a lot of stupid games. Uh, I think the Knicks will be improved. However. I don't think they would be. I don't think they would be vastly improved enough to make the playoffs, even in the Eastern Conference. But I do think if they made certain moves to get decent veteran players in, there'll be a solid team that can still grow with those veterans. And it's not like there's a cap hold in the East, like a super team necessarily that you think if we don't, if our guys don't develop the right way, or eventually use our cap space to bring in a, a superstar player that we could compete for making the title. Now, the now that I warned you about the doomsday scenario, let's all let's all get some hat. Let's all get happy, okay? So now Stephen A Smith is now reporting that he believes that there is a 90 to 95% chance that both Kyrie and KD are going to join the team. All right? We'll talk about that one moment. All right, we're back. So, Stephen A is just the latest reporter um, out to explain that he believes that the New York Knicks shall be getting both KD and Kyrie. Now, now that that's already been a discussion point, and now that we think that's something that the Knicks can't control, let's talk about the fit and how you'd build out a team from there. So, give me both players the max 
leaves you with only about six million dollars of cap space of so far. If if you do not bring back Trier, if you do, if you waive Lance Thomas um, before the season, you'll have about six million dollars. If you bring those guys back, then you can't sign those guys, and or you'll, you'll enter the luxury tax. So six million dollars to play with. Now, you still have all the rookies still on the team. The players left on the team will still be Frank Milikina, whoever you draft, you know, and that that also does matter too because the number one pick makes about nine million, as opposed to if you get the fifth picks around six million dollars. So that does still come into play with things, but it'll be your draft pick, Milikina, Dennis Smith, Mitchell Robinson, um, Kevin Knox. If you pick up his option, um, Damian Dotson, and if you pick up his option, Alonzo Chair. Now, how do you build a team from that? Now, like I said before, on various platforms, I don't think I've said it on this podcast, but I know it's difficult for fans to trade their players because you always overvalue your players as opposed to um, the, any other team's players, you know, you always think that your guy's the best. No, Mitchell Robinson was the best rookie for us because of this, that, and the third, you know, no, Kevin Knox is great. You can spin all of your, you know, ideas to the way you want them when it comes to your kind of players. So when it comes to, for us, I'll, if we get Zion, I don't believe they should trade for Anthony Davis. Uh, First, the main thing is, is just because it's going to be really difficult to build a rest of the team if you get Anthony Davis. So you have to trade basically six players, depending on, you know, the first pick in the draft. You know, if you get him, the contracts do still matter. But you're going to have to trade anywhere between four and six of your players just to get Anthony Davis. Now, obviously, Anthony Davis is going to be the best of those four to six players this season. That's still a lot of players that you're giving up. Now, what? That's that's number one. Number two is like I've said before. If you look at all the teams that have had like those quote unquote super teams, the third guy has always defaulted into like kind of a super role player. Kevin Love, Chris Bosh, um, what's my man's name? G, uh, Draymond Green. I would rather have Zion play at that level first because he has no right to demand. He's a rookie. He just came into the league. He's going to have two Hall of Fame players as his teammates. If it's Zion, I would keep him because he's going to already do all the dirty work. Just watching guys like Ben Simmons play or or, uh, Draymond Green play, there's no reason why. He can't come into this league right now and get me anywhere between 15 and 18 points and double-digit rebounds. Um, ben Simmons did that as a rookie, his real rookie year. Uh, and Blake Griffin did that as well, his rookie year. Uh, Blake Griffin, I think, was actually almost 20 and 10 his rookie season. It shows you that you can make an impact as a rookie when and those two guys had to were like the main scorers on the team, they had to be able to distribute the ball, stuff like that. Zion's like the third, maybe fourth option on the team, depending on who you get in free agency. That will be huge for a way he'll make winning plays. 
That's all you need to know. He'll just make winning plays. Um, another reason also is the idea of that for the Anthony Davis thing, while I do like him as a player, I do like him on the team, you can take some of those other players and you can trade them for smaller assets. Like I talked before, you can get Bradley Beal, you know, for maybe one of those, maybe a Kevin Knox and maybe the Dallas pick or your pick, you know, whatever. Um, and, you know, a contract. You can get um, maybe some one of the one of the younger players in Denver, maybe a Tony Craig, possibly for Neil Aquina and something else. You can there's different players. You can go down to Orlando. Maybe you can possibly get Aaron Gordon, you know, for your draft pick and Neil Aquina. They've talked about well. They've talked about getting Neil King in the past before. There's different things you can do that won't be that we want Anthony Davis move, but it can be a move that will help you win and it'll be a lot cheaper. You still are going to need players on this roster that are going to help you win overall. And lastly, the main thing is like the young, just you, we already seen an example of young players not helping out for winning moment. If this goes the way it is, and it seems like it is, the Knicks are no longer in development mode. They're not. They're in win now mode. They're in whatever it takes to win. Now, we can't, you've seen two examples now, not just in LA, but also in Boston. You can't play this game of we're going to have a key veteran player who's in their prime trying to win now and also try to develop rookies to kind of do this, that, and the third. You got to just make a decision. What are we doing? Are we trying to win now or are we trying to win in the future? You see how it affected Boston and you saw how it affected LA. Now, currently next season, we would have a bunch of players. I already listed them all who would still be on their rookie contracts. Currently, if you had to keep someone, obviously you would want to keep Mitch and whoever you're drafted, if it's Zion, stuff like that. You have to look at the team as who's going to be able to affect them to win next season. And for me, the guy who I think will try to will help them win next season is Alonzo Trier. Now, I've probably said this a bunch of times in this show before. I'm not the biggest Alonzo Trier fan, but the two things he does well is he gets in the paint and he gets foul shots. And that's what you want your sixth man to do. He doesn't care who's on the floor. He doesn't care what's happening. He has tunnel vision. That's good at times, and that can be horrible at times. And if you want to compete at the highest level, if you want to really be a team that's going to gun for a championship, Trier has got to be the guy that you keep. I would send dots to where he wants to go, even though I'm a big fan. Knox, same thing. I don't think they should trade Neil Kina, but I've accepted that this is just what it is. Those Trier, Robinson, and Zion, maybe, would be the three guys that have to be keep because their roles are easier to define. They're not necessarily trying to grow. They can do something next season immediately that I know that I need. I need an interior defense. 
I need someone to get out on the fast break and get me easy buckets. And I need someone to be able to get to the foul line and, and hit down open shots. Those are the three things I need. And all three of those guys will cost under $15 million. So for right now, that would be my way to build a contender and then use, obviously, the veteran's minimum. We're still going to have the the uh, mid-level exception, which should go up. I believe it should be about $6 million for us next season. Um, who do we use that on? Do we bring back Hazonia with that with that pick? Would he want to come back? Would he want to go somewhere else? It's going to be so much money. And that's the thing, too. That's another thing that's going to happen. Everyone has money. And after the first wave of, you know, KD, Kyrie, Kawhi, Tobias, after all those guys are kind of off the board, the second tier of, or even the third tier of, of free agency, that's where people are going to win championships. People forget they got Brooke Lopez pretty late into the season or late into the offseason for only $3 million. The Bucks did. Now they're in the East Conference Finals. Could potentially win a championship. It's moves like that that get you to ring. So it'll definitely be interesting to see how that plays out. We'll take another break. Wrap up the show in a bit. Yep, and we're back, wrapping up the show. So a lot of people are, you know, kind of now, I hear on the radio, I hear like in chats, people are like, they don't want, they, for some reason, I've heard people don't want Kyrie. I've even heard people saying they don't want Kevin Durant, which they don't need to be living in New York no more. Um, now, the Kevin Durant people, I'm, we just not going to be able to speak to you, all right? There's just certain, you know, conversations that me and you just ain't going to be able to have. The Kyrie people, let's have, let's have a chat. So the issues with Kyrie on the court, for me, had nothing to do with his game. Uh, Kyrie Irving had a bad series, a bad series. Now, he, a lot of it he brought on himself with what he talked about, how he said, you know, judge me in the postseason and, you know, I'm not really happy. And, um, you know, he did a lot of talking and it, he, he didn't back it up. That's something that I've seen and that's something that you can't deny. However, for everyone who believes that, Kyrie Irving isn't that dude. Y'all are sadly mistaken. Um, y'all remember the how LeBron won his last championship, right? Kyrie hit that shot. Okay. Like y'all remember, like the fact that Kyrie and Kevin and Kyrie and LeBron both dropped 40 in the game before that, so they can get to game seven, right? Like the idea that Kyrie is not a 
top seven basketball player in this league is ridiculous. I understand he gets a lot of his points scoring isolation. I understand for some reason that's not an issue or whatever, but here's the thing. All the great players had great one-on-one games. All of them. Steph Curry's got a great one-on-one game. KD's got a great one-on-one game. LeBron's got a great one-on-one game. James Harden. All these guys have great one-on-one games. And the the object is to put the ball in the hole. That is all that matters. And for some people, they just do not understand that Kyrie is just that guy. Now, my biggest issue with him is his knee. He missed a bunch of more games this past season. He's never played 82 games in a season. Now, that's kind of a little bit of a... It's kind of a little bit of a Fox-like um, record or standard to hold. I mean, it doesn't really kind of matter. If you get to a certain place, the players will start to rest at a certain point, and they have rest days and all sorts of stuff. Just just get to the postseason. Um, like Kawhi missed 22 games this year. They have a chance to, to go to each conference finals. So it doesn't matter. That knee is a problem, and I understand how – People will look at that as opposed to him looking looking at someone like a Kemba Walker, who's, I believe, just two years older than Kyrie, who's still willing to play, who's playing really well in Charlotte. And the major question is this. We look at Kyrie very differently only really because of he got LeBron. If LeBron never came back to Cleveland, he went somewhere else, whatever, and, he, and everything else you know what? Same. He won a championship. Da, da. Is Kyrie Kemba? You know, is he this dynamic scorer who doesn't have good teammates, who's on a bad roster, who's not looked upon as a winner? Or we look at Kyrie completely different because he had LeBron, and we look at Kemba as a guy like, eh, I don't really know. Is he that good? All this other stuff. You know. Um. My biggest thing about Kemba, it's not. It really is comes just down to his age. He's 29. He'll be 30 in the playoffs if the Knicks get to the playoffs next season. He is a great player, but he is also extremely short. And while he has shown the ability to get through that, play more games than Kyrie has, relatively stay healthy. He hasn't really had any major injury, especially to his lower extremities. How much is he going to age? You've seen guys like Chris Paul who are now 34 and he is slowing down. Now, Kemba's 29. If you sign him now, the contract would end when he's 33. Are you sure he's going to be able to hold up to 33? Now, granted, he hasn't had that many injuries. It wouldn't be as bad. Now, Kyrie would only be 31 at the end of the contract. It's a decision that obviously the Knicks are intrigued on getting Kemba, but the biggest thing is that it appears that Kevin wants Kyrie. If Kevin wants Kyrie, the Knicks do not have any place to say no. I'm sorry, you don't. You don't have the backing. You don't have the fan base support. You don't have the media. So obviously, the media support. You got to do what you got to do to win. Kyrie and KD over. But it appears that it's also almost done. All right. Last quick break. 
and we'll just talk about the playoffs for a little bit. All right, last quick point. So basically, I'll just make predictions and I'll break down, obviously, a little bit of the series. So first thing I'm talking about is Portland-Denver, Game 7 that's coming out on Sunday. I believe that Portland will win. That's all heart. Everything else is telling me that Denver should win this game. Denver has a lot of guards um, that can defend. Jamal Murray has shown that he is an emerging player. Joker is one of the best big men, not just big men, but one of the best players in the league. He's able to just dominate inside. Also, I want to know where all those reporters were talking about when they kept saying that Cantor, you know, was doing such a great job in the playoffs because he's been getting worked by Joker. Worked. Okay? But that's neither here nor there. We don't need to talk about no old stuff. I believe in Dame Dollar. I believe in CJ McCollum. I'm just picking Dame just because. I just think when you have an opportunity to get to the West Conference, I think this is just his chance to I think this is just his chance to be there. But uh, obviously it's game seven. Won't be surprised if Denver wins the game. Moving on. Toronto, Philly, back in Toronto. I got I got Toronto winning. And I just think that Toronto's overall team will play better. Van Vliet can't play any worse. Everyone's playing at home. This team clearly plays better at home than they do on the road for some reason now. Um, and Philly, I just, Ben Simmons, I don't believe, I believe Ben Simmons is a glorified role player at this point. He plays bad on the road. He plays great at home, plays bad on the road, good on the, good at home. And if you're, again, he has to start fast. That's the biggest thing with him. I think they're just letting Jimmy Butler get his, knowing that if they just don't let Ben Simmons get downhill, they don't let him get going, they are going to be fine in this series. Um, Marcus Saul's got to actually, Marcus Saul and Kyle Lowry have to remember that they're actually NBA players and not score zero points and a half. Um, but I got Toronto. And it probably closer than the score. It's going to be bigger than the score. The score will probably be close because, like, it's you know elimination game. People do everything at the end. But I got I got Toronto winning. Uh, the last one obviously is now Golden State and um, Houston. This podcast will be up after this. Uh, will be up after the game. So whatever my prediction is, we'll see how it goes. I'm picking Golden State to win tonight. And if they don't win tonight, I'm picking them to win game seven. I'm picking Golden State either way. Um, my thing is this. Everyone believes Houston's going to win. Everyone is thinking Houston should win this game. I think Harden knows that. I think Chris Paul knows that. I think they have a lot of pressure on them to win, to win this game. And 
Curry and Clay. I think this is they they if they get back to playing how they played before, I think they have a chance. Now this game will be close because the Warriors have no more bench. Their bench is done. Um but I believe that they will be able to keep their shots falling and be able to focus and make sure they limit the amount of attempts that Harden and CP get. Now, for the next angle of this, we are rooting for not only Golden State to win, but Golden State to win without Kevin Durant. Because if this calf injury holds him out, let's say, I've never pulled my calf before. It says a mild strain. If they, the finals begin in June. So the earliest they could basically become champions, I believe, is like June 10th or June 14th around. I think it might be June 10th. That's the earliest they can win if they sweep, um, which no one thinks they would. If Kevin Durant doesn't come back at all, which I don't believe is possible, if they start winning, you know, Western Conference Finals games and even the finals games, that narrative will come back that they don't need Kevin Durant to win. And that is it. Now, I think it's done. I think Kevin Durant's going no matter what happens. But you always want that extra little assurance that he's going to come to your team. All right. Thank you guys again for listening to me on the Daily Knicks podcast. Make sure you guys subscribe, like we said before. Try to get this guy to out to every single week, especially knowing that the draft lottery is coming up. Pray for Zion. Zion. And uh, yeah, see you guys next week.